So we have um, solutions but, to the debt crisis and the interest rate crisis. Well, we don't have solutions. Dun, dun, dun. We just understand why they're happening. Well, so a um, good solution is beer. It is technically, in a chemical sense, a solution. So, yeah. well. Well. Anyway. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Together, we will speak at you in overly dramatic ways, as if we are 1940s radio announcers. Not quite. Maybe not. Accent's not quite right. I I can do that, but that's because I remember it. 1950s, at least. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Now, you've dated yourself, which is kind of narcissistic. Yep. Going well, on dates with oneself. Uh, I, I do. Yes. So this is the personal wealth coach where we have been known to make historical references that no one else gets, um, make puns that everyone gets and wishes that they hadn't. Uh, we are bald. We are bearded. We talk about economics. If that hasn't scared you off yet, then I'll get to the actual regulatory disclosures and then we'll actually talk about economics. Uh, this is the personal wealth coach. Uh, I'm disclosing that because you might want to run away immediately. Uh, it is also the name, this program is also shares the name with uh, a SEC registered investment advisory firm. It's not coincidental, though the program predates the firm. Uh, the firm was founded by the two bald bearded fellows. I almost said gentlemen, but I would have been scoffed at. Um, these two bald bearded fellows founded the firm well after the uh, radio program was in effect. Um, but just because the firm is registered with the SEC to give fiduciary investment advice doesn't mean we can do that on the air, even though we're the same people on a radio program. Why? Because investment advice is number one, private. Number two, we got to know the people that we're giving advice to in a very clear way. And I'm maybe, maybe this is pure dreaming, but I hope that there are people listening to us that we've never met. I know that's a stretch. It is a stretch, but I can hope. Uh, So all of those mean that we can't give you advice on the air in its truly fiduciary form. So what are we doing? We're just talking then. Well, hopefully we're educating you. Hopefully we can tell you what's happening in the world and what it means and why things happen like that throughout history. Um, So it's educational. Um, We don't pay for this radio program. I know that's weird. Saturday morning financial people talking on the air and it's not a paid commercial program. We do advertise on the on the station. They advertise on the station. We both advertise for the program. We've been doing this for what, 26 years for free. They don't pay us. We don't pay them. We're supposed to be economists. That doesn't seem like a good equitable trade for our time. We're hoping it's an investment in the listening ears that hopefully, maybe, possibly, some people make better decisions in the local economy and in the broader economy, and that we'll all benefit from that. I know that's a very, very distant version of an investment, but it is the pure definition of capitalism, my friends. Read Adam Smith. So that is all of or yes, th- those are all of my disclosures. Uh, but you have one, 
Elder Baldy has the it, information. Go ahead. Right. Well, I was going to say, I was going right. to lead up to this. You have worked hard on this for decades. I remember you saying this before we had a radio program. So you have this down. So please go ahead. Or it has me up, as the case may be. Something's being propped around here somewhere. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable. However, we make no warranty or guarantee that the information presented is complete or accurate. I just had to give you some cheering crowd because you did that so well. You know, all people love to hear legalese disclosures. So I thought you should have some appreciation for it. And what happened in the market this week? Well, it was an interesting week in which we got a lot of very positive economic information. One piece of bad news that every person that I read, um, every every wise economics person who tends to be right rather than wrong more often, said it was insignificant and unimportant and we should ignore it. So, of course, the market went down. Uh, what um, was that piece of information that we should have ignored? The downgrade by Fitch from on US debt from AAA to AA plus. But I want to point something sometime out. Ago. I want to point something out here. I you just said we should ignore it and then I asked you to tell us what it was that we should ignore and now we all know we're not ignoring it. Okay. We broke and our own reason, rules. Sorry. Go ahead. The reason Fitch did the downgrade they said was the basically the threat to not pay our bills a little earlier this year uh, when the debt ceiling negotiations were underway, when the Republicans in the House had sufficient votes to cause the United States to default on its debt. It's not that we're incapable of paying our debt. It's that the Congress of the United States, which effectively is the board of directors, threatened a portion of the Congress threatened to not pay our debts, which... And not lowered, just not just one well, time. Let, let this, is, this. this is not the first time it's happened. So go ahead. This is this is the first time it's gotten that... It's one thing not have the government functioning because the... because the, the, Put the government freeze, everything frozen because we don't have a budget. It's quite another thing to get within hours of not paying legitimate debts to either in, to individuals, businesses, or bondholders. And we got very, very close to that and there is talk in the House of Representatives of doing that again in a year. And Fitch said any creditor who is uh, threatening to not pay their obligations should not be rated AAA. And the, here's the irony. The stated objective of the people who were willing to not raise the debt ceiling and thereby put us in a position of not being able to pay our debts, um, for all that I in many ways agree with their ultimate objective, which is to stop running up humongous deficits at the federal government level, their activities caused an in- is causing an increase in interest rates on the U.S. debt, which will dramatically worsen the deficit in the future. The very action of saying the debt is too expensive, we don't want to pay it, caused the debt to be more expensive. Yes. Uh, now, for whatever it's worth, and we'll get it, I guess we need to get then into that and show there's a, there's a solution. This is a very simple solution. Let's do the market but first, though. We'll, we'll, the we'll leave the solution we'll get, we'll, hanging out there so that they'll be in, in suspense. The end result, um, the S&P 500 stock index fell 2.27% for the week. 
Now it's it's at forty four seventy eight point zero three. It's up sixteen point six three percent this year, twenty five percent higher than it was last October. It is a hundred percent higher than it was in March twenty. In other words, it's doubled since March twenty twenty. Um, it's still down six point five seven percent from its record high on January twenty two. Um, now it is. higher than it was three years ago. So in the last three years, the S&P 500 has risen 40%. That's good. Uh, But the rest of it's true also. Uh, We also follow the CRSP U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index. It declined 1.46 to 2435.04, and it's up about 12% since last October and 4% this year, showing its typical less volatile um, activities than you see in the S&P 500. The 10-year U.S. Treasury note uh, is now at the high end of the trading range it's been in for almost a year now. It climbed 4.05%. It used to be really scary if it got above 4 and there was not any particular note of it this time. Um, the tail end of the year yield curve, the, the section much longer than that, is rising. In other words, interest rates for long-term debt are continuing to rise. And we've said this in the past, and I continue to say this, they're probably going to continue to continue to rise into the future, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of bond salespeople who say this is the time to buy because interest rates they have to come down. Folks, interest rates do not have to come down. The interest rates that we're seeing, other than the exceptionally high one-year and shorter interest rates, are historically abnormal. And Jay can talk about this more. Uh, He likes to get into this, but the... Short-term rates are not coming down anytime soon either. They could, and there's some very good reasons why they won't. We'll tell you uh, that also. Yeah, we'll talk suspense. about that later. So we have uh, solutions but, to the debt crisis and the interest rate crisis. Well, we don't have solutions. Dun, dun. We just understand why they're happening. Well, so uh, a good solution is beer. It is technically, in a chemical sense, a solution. So, yeah. Well, well, anyway, go so ahead. as interest rates go up, by the way, if you hold a portfolio of bonds or you hold a bond that is uh, that could be sold in the secondary market, uh, you will discover that the market value of bonds goes down as interest rates go up and they are continuing to go up. We are having the equivalent of a bear market in bonds underway. It's not there. It's not a full bear yet, but it's working on it and it's turning along very nicely. Um, so what we're seeing is what we didn't necessarily, I certainly didn't want to see it, but I really believed it was coming. And that is that interest rates will be higher, much longer than almost anybody in the bond business wants to see or is expecting to see. That's federal, I, that, that's not new news. That's what Chairman Powell said, and he said it over and over again, and it's going to continue to happen. But another reason that the longer-term interest rates are going up, and another reason, weirdly enough, that the market dipped in the middle of the week and didn't quite and didn't never recovered, um, is that our GDP came in at two point four percent in the second quarter, which was much higher than anybody expected. And if so you, we if have, you measure that in the same way that China measures theirs, our GDP was at the same rate or very close to it as China. Mm-hmm. We we do some funny things in our GDP numbers. It's just we can go into a lot of depth in that. But I'll let you finish up the the, the news here. Okay, so interest rates are on the way up. Oil is rose uh, rather nicely this week, I guess. If you want, it rose two point two seven percent. West Texas Intermediate crude to eighty two dollars and sixty four cents per barrel, which again is at the upper end of its recent trading range. WTI, which is what we the the code name for that that oil. The, the immediate futures on uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude 
It's risen about 16% in the last three months. Why? Is there a shortage of oil? No. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of the drilling companies are reducing the number of rigs drilling because we have our tanks full of oil. It's not because of something the Saudis are doing or the Russians are doing. It is because the United States co- economy right now is perceived not as sliding into recession, but as entering into a boom period, which will increase the demand for oil. So the price of oil is rising in, in as it senses as the market senses that demand. So what we're looking at is higher interest rates and a faster moving economy as we go down the road. That's what the markets are saying to us right now. And that's what's happening in them. Well, there's lots of other pieces in the market, obviously. These are the critical ones. All right. Well, I wanted to jump in real quick. Uh, and that is that we mentioned in passing a couple of times that the way that China calculates its GDP is a little different than we, we do. And if we calculated them the same way, our rate would be the same. Um, they're not using different formulas. They just, you have some choices in the GDP calculation on how you do it, how you do the calculation. If you're a country that's emerging from the Stone Age uh, or the Stick Age, if the majority of your population 40 years ago were using sticks to poke holes in the mud and you've come a long way since then, there have to be a lot of changes. It happened in the United States in the very early 20th century where we stopped using essentially hand tools to wrench crops out of the dirt uh, and started using automation. Um, There are growing pains there, but one of the growing pains is accounting. So when we say we calculate it differently, number one, accounting standards are very, very different in China than they are in the United States. So you get very different numbers there. Number two, you have a, a much more significant percentage of the working population that doesn't report their income in any way. They have a migrant population that moves from one area to the next throughout the year, mostly to pick crops. That's roughly the same as the entire population of the United States. Roughly 340 million people move around. The Chinese don't know how much money they make. They guess. When a census comes out in China, it it raises... Their GDP, they revise their GDP upward if the population is higher than they thought it was because they take an approach in the calculation toward productivity or production of a person based on just kind of a standard number. Uh, They just assume, on average, people produce X amount. That's not a good approach, but it's better than nothing. It shouldn't be used to compare it to the United States GDP. If we did, like I said, we would be including a lot of our unemployed people in the growth of our company, or of our companies and our country uh, somehow. So that's off there. Now, the other thing I made a quick reference to right before the break is Central Africa, Northern Africa. Sadly, uh, one of the predictions we made last year after the invasion of Ukraine has come true. Um, Nations, the governments of North Africa and Central Africa are severely destabilized. We're seeing coups. We're seeing toppling of governments. Uh, Democratic Republic of Congo is in a deep, deep civil war that's not really being talked about. Niger just had its democratically elected uh, ruler 
toppled by the military, uh, the military that was funded largely by the United States so that it could fight jihadis, used that funding to equip themselves better and then take over the civilian government. Um, and now the United States and the British and the French are all saying, well, what, this is a former French colony, and they're all saying, what should we do here? We do need to fight the jihadis. What's going on over there? And so what we're seeing is a destabilization in North Africa and Central Africa. How did we predict that based on Russia invading Ukraine? The answer is grain. Um, whenever grain prices get high, this goes back well over 5,000 years throughout human history. When grain prices get high, North and Central African governments topple. I mean, we called it the Arab Spring uh, in Northern Africa when uh, we had governments changing hands quickly during the Bush administration, the second Bush administration. It was not a democratic movement. It was the price of grain was too high and governments subsidized grain there so that food is very, very inexpensive. And when it gets expensive, people start to starve. And when they start to starve, they support any measure to prevent starvation, even if it doesn't really, even if it's just a promise. So unfortunately, we predicted that and it's occurring. Uh, it is kind of an ongoing tragedy, piece of economic news that isn't particularly happy. Um, but you have a bunch of other stuff to talk about as well. Now, I've, I've done well, my, my things that I said I was going to talk about. Well, we had some, certainly had some interesting things happen in the U.S. economy. Um, the uh, although it made very little in the way of headlines, the unemployment rate is back down to three point five percent. Right, it was at three point seven. Now it's back down to three point five. On the good side, uh, on the on the moderating side of that, uh, the Labor Department reported that we hired and uh, we created net one hundred eighty seven thousand new jobs in the United States. When I say new jobs, the job openings were there, but there are 180, we, employers in the United States outside of farms hired 187,000, are now employing 187,000 more people than they were a month ago. So we've got GDP rising, employment still rising, although moderating back to a stable rate. We have uh, the, the, the additional compensation to, to, to employed people is up about 4.4%. That's above inflation for right now. Well, it's above inflation, but it isn't up like 10%. So it isn't right. probably driving inflation at this point. Productivity uh, is the big news here. And that came out this week too. We had a big jump in productivity and I can't emphasize. Now that was very low on the headline rate. I mean, people don't understand productivity, but there was no, I saw no headlines about the zero. Productivity rose at an annual rate of 3.7%. That's non-farm business. Manufacturing Last. rose 4%. So they're both just enormous rises in productivity. This is in the second quarter. Um, if our creation of money uh, is inflationary in the United States and we need to slow things down, it is because the the GDP is not growing as fast as the money supply. It really And, and the money supply is a little more complex than that because of the rate at which money moves around is also involved in that equation. But productivity, number of workers working, and number of hours worked are the big numbers. If you multiply one times the other times the other, you get GDP. You get pretty much what our real GDP is. Our productivity was falling and has been for several quarters. It's up now. 
Uh, there's a little, there's two things as we come to the end of our second hour and the end of our broadcast this week that I wanted to comment on. One, the number of scams, uh, Ponzi schemes and so on is mushrooming. If somebody is offering you, particularly somebody you're affiliated with, like a member of your church, an unusually high return and secret insider, whatever, you're being ripped off. If you can't find the investment on Morningstar, it probably doesn't exist and it's going into the guy's vacations and ranches and mansions and so on. Uh, he's getting uh, a good return on his um, scam. Yes. Wells yeah. Fargo has had a series of actions by the, by the various regulatory agencies against them for opening false accounts. Uh, and they just got hit with another series of complaints and a lawsuit on the same thing. Apparently, they're opening up accounts for people and charging them for the accounts when the people literally never asked to open an account and it's open anyway. This is It appears to be happening again. Very recently, if you are a Wells Fargo banking customer, be sure and check your deposit report versus what you put in because Wells Fargo customers are reporting and Wells Fargo has acknowledged it's happening, says it doesn't know why it's happening, but they're trying to fix it. That people, for example, deposit $2,000 in their Wells Fargo account and it's gone. It's not there. So keep your eyes open for these things and we're out of time. We'll talk more about that. Why is it rising? Why was it falling? We'll talk more about it. We predicted the rise. We also predicted the fall. So we'll, we'll talk. It's weird. We're talking about how much we're predicting things and we'll talk about all the things that we got wrong. If we can remember any of them, we have selective memories. Um, but if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give investment advice and portfolio management to people of relatively high net worth. Um, you can reach us first. You can call us locally. We've got voicemail waiting there during the weekend. Real live people, no phone trees during the week. Uh, locally, the number is 254-947-1111. And should you still have a landline, you can reach us toll free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com where you can read our newsletters and sign up for it. It comes out every Friday. You can listen to radio programs going back a long ways. You can contact us through the contact form or jeff at tpwc.com or jake at tpwc.com. You can find podcasts wherever they are. Till next hour, this is the Personal Wealth Coach.